my name's Rod. My pronouns are he and him. Um, welcome. Just want to add my welcome to the welcome of um, Josh and Shane. I might start with prayer. Loving God, thank you that you are with us this morning, that you are in and through and around everything, calling it towards beauty and truth and goodness and love. Help us to find ways this morning to connect to your heartbeat. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are uh, in the middle of a series where we're looking at the, the traditions and different strands of kind of theology and practice that have we've kind of brought together to form this community and how it does things. Uh, today, we are not exactly looking at a tradition, but more... Um, the way we garden as a community, because the metaphor that we've been using is that uh, a lot of us grew up in churches that were like a, um, what's the word we're looking? Something crop. Monocrop. Uh, like a monocrop, like soy or wheat or something that you plant in every location around the globe and you don't care about context Everything that is already there is just a weed or a pest to be removed. And if it doesn't take root, then you just pump the soil full of kind of pesticides and fertilizer to make it grow. And we decided that for us, we're still using the cabbage picture, you'll be pleased to know, uh, that for us, we see what we do here is more like a garden where we start by looking at what already grows here by understanding the kind of indigenous spirituality of the place and then choosing other traditions from the kind of rich Christian and other history that we'll plant, that we can plant and that will grow in harmony with what's already there. And we yeah, attend to the context and the soil and the climate and try to grow something beautiful that makes sense in this place and at this time. And so we've been, we've been talking about different plants so far, or plants, depending on where you're from. And today, as I said, rather than talking about a, a different plant that is in our garden, I want to talk a little bit about the way that we aspire to garden together in this community. So that, as I said before, the, the way that we seek to learn together. And to start off with, I wanted to give you a little um, activity to do together. Uh, and it's looking at a few pictures, like this one, and just with the, the person, other people at your table, um, if you're on a table on your own. I think no one's on a table on their own. Yeah, so just with the people on your table, you answer these two questions. And it's... They don't have to be kind of Jesus-y Christian answers. It literally just whatever comes to mind. You look at this picture and you go, how do you think learning is understood in this picture, in this place? And who is the teacher? Don't overthink it. I'll just give you two minutes. Just talk to the people next to you and go, how is 
learning understood in this picture and who is the teacher? Hi, it's just podcast editor Rod jumping in to say that the picture that everyone is looking at is of an older preacher in gowns in an elevated pulpit with the congregation all sitting below them. Uh, some of the volume in people's responses is pretty low in what co what's coming up, so apologies. Okay, as I said, just a couple of minutes. So any... Any thoughts that you would like to share about the first question? How is, I mean, you can talk about both of them. You don't need to talk about them separately, but how is learning understood in this picture, do you think? Um, we said that like knowledge comes from this central figure who's in this, a hierarchy. They're like on a pedestal. Um, it's kind of a one-way transmission. I bear the knowledge and I pass it on to you. You listen and take notes. Um, and the teacher's the expert and the bearer of the knowledge. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> I authorise that. Uh, we had an observation here that it, the stage is elevated. Like you're looking up at them and we kind of forgot or hadn't even noticed that's not how it is here. But um, yeah, it's like a lecture, except you probably can't ask questions in the same way you could in a lecture. Um, and that person's clearly the teacher at the front, so. Cool. All right. We'll, we'll move quickly unless there's anything else profound that you want to add, no? So, next picture. Same questions. How do you think learning is understood in this picture? Who is the teacher? Again, two minutes. Me again, just letting you know that this time the picture is of a bunch of people sitting in a circle on the grass, all kind of looking into the centre, not necessarily looking at anyone in particular. So that's what people are looking at and then discussing now. Okay. So any thoughts with this one? Yeah, it looks more organic, learning and growing together, listening to each other. It's more of a group thing rather than someone leading. Thanks. Any other thoughts? Who is the teacher? Everyone. We were guessing the woman in the purple top, but you can't really tell, which is, you know, part of the point. You don't really know. Um, okay, so just third one, because you, you always do things in threes, of course. Uh, this one we're is a passage that we're going to read. And just one question, who is the teacher in this story? Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So just one note before you talk together that um, for people reading it at the time, it would have been clear that she is a Canaanite 
was not part of the people of Israel. So she's very much part of, not just not part of the people of Israel, but their historical enemy. So just chat for, again, one or two minutes. Who is the teacher in this story? One observation from our table is, um, yeah, what if she hadn't had that final comeback? <laughs> Would her daughter have gone unhealed? Yeah. Uh, any, any thoughts about this one? Who is the teacher? Um, after struggling to get over the comment about tossing it to the dogs, um, I guess the woman is almost channeling what God would say, which is that everyone is welcome to eat from God's table. That's how I'm taking it. So, yeah. Yeah, we've had this passage before, and I think um, we've taught before about how in a lot of churches that we grew up in, people sort of tie themselves up in knots to excuse Jesus in this story and go, oh, he always knew what she was going to ask, and he was sort of just sort of, it was just a little game, but... He, you know, was, he was just kind of working out a way of using her to say this thing that he knew he was going to agree with. But, um, yeah, just reading it on, it on its surface, it, it does look like Jesus is being, at least being taught what his mission is by this, this woman. Yeah. yeah, we're just saying, like, the idea that Jesus would have grown up in an environment which did have racist tropes and historic enemies and all of those things, and the, the idea that Jesus would be impervious to that. Like, he grew up in a culture, and that culture was, you know, like all cultures, had its hang-ups and had its, you know, prejudices and stuff like that. Like, yeah, and Israel, even though they were under Rome, they were kind of, like, utilised by Rome to keep Samaria and everywhere else in check. And so, yeah, like, the the fact that he would have been immune to any kind of... Yeah, tropes. It's just, yeah, unnecessary, I think. Yeah. And again, the problem with Scripture, like a text message, is that you don't get tone. And um, it was just fascinating to, to be there for her tone, uh, for her posture, and what it was about the way that she spoke to him that cut through that prejudice, that kind of woke him up. Um, any other thoughts before we move on? We were having a conversation at the table around whether Jesus genuinely thought that or whether it was a teaching exercise or, or whether he je- like actually changed his mind in this moment as well. Um, I personally think that the, the teacher of the story is kind of the, it's the two of them. It's like that interaction taught something to to Jesus' disciples and whether he knew, like whether he actually believed that line and or was saying it to see if he got pushback, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I listened to a podcast and the title was, Did Jesus Just Call That Woman a Dog? <laughs> and that 45 minutes of listening, I still was no closer to feeling like I had any idea. <laughs> but yeah. He did. <laughs> um, I think, so, t- for me, this is a very early instance of what teachers always do, which is make mistakes and then claim it was a test. So, <laughs> misspell a word on the board. Isn't it spelt this? It's like, well done. 
that was a test, yeah. Um, so I'm sure <laughs> yeah, the disciples were saying, so is this your mission or not? Oh, yeah, it is, it is. But you seem to be saying, oh, it was a test, yeah. Um, but I think really what's going on is Jesus demonstrating that openness that a true teacher has to being taught, um, which is, I guess, the heart of the very brief thing that I want to say to us this morning, and that is that most of us grew up with a version of that first picture, where um, it's what the we're going back to South America. We were in South America a couple of weeks ago. What the um, theoretician of kind of pedagogy and education, Paulo Freire, who's a Brazilian, talked about the as the um, the banking model of education, where the teacher is a full vessel and the students are empty vessels. And so the purpose of education is for the teacher to pour their fullness into the emptiness of the students. And what we see in this story of Jesus and the Canaanite woman is that Jesus doesn't, even, even as the Son of God, even as the Messiah, Jesus doesn't subscribe to that model of education, but is open to the reality that we are all full vessels and that we all have a fullness to bring, to pour into the mix of what it is to learn. And that that role of teacher and learner is, as someone said, is constantly changing. In a very long time ago, in the mid-90s, I was employed to coordinate a community, a church community up in Sydney. And it's kind of 18 to 35s. That was my age group at the time. And it was in many ways an experiment in the kind of how we did teaching, how we did learning, and who was in charge of it. And so in that community, pretty much everyone in the community was involved in a small group. And each small group was responsible for what happened on a Sunday for a month at a time. And I, as I didn't call myself the leader or the pastor. I called myself a kind of coordinator of the community. And so I positioned myself as a, a resource for the groups who were in charge of the learning that was happening on a Sunday. We sat at tables like this, but there was no front and there was no microphone. So I would, if I was speaking that day, the way that you knew is that I would move from just being seated on the seat to being seated on my foot. So that was, that was the elevation of the teacher, but only just so that I could be slightly more easily seen by people. So there was no front. I, was, I would, or whoever else was speaking, whoever else was participating would be in some kind of random location in the building. And um, the idea was, again, flowing from that model of education, that we're all teachers and that I had a kind of positional teacher role, but that that kind of binary of teacher-student just wasn't there, that we're all teachers and that I was a particular kind of resource. And that has a huge influence on the way I see what we do here 
and how we do teaching and learning. But I'm interested for you to talk for a few minutes about how it actually feels here. So thinking about that idea of, you know, the aspiration is that we are all teachers, that we all bring fullness to share, that we all have the capacity to teach each other. How, does, how do things actually operate really in this community? And um, yeah, we're open to whatever kind of feedback that you have to, to share. But just for, yeah, for a couple of minutes, we're going to have the same questions as before, but this time for this space, obviously if this is your first time here, you still can say what you've observed this morning. But for those who've been here for, for months or years, um, if you're just looking at the way we do things rather than the theory, how does it look like we understand learning in this community? And how does it look like we understand who the teacher is? So again, I'll give you two or three minutes for that. Okay, so any, any thoughts? Questions. I, I had my own internal discussion over here with my son. No, he's not discussing. I was just thinking about, you know, the front-facing thing. And one idea that was occurring to me is, like, the constraints that are put upon us by the place in that you've got, like, a projector that was set up that faces the front. You've got a lectern that exists. So it's all of this sort of just the way the building's set up. It's sort of constrains you into a certain style and then you just kind of naturally can go into that style without even thinking about it almost. Um, yeah, that was just one thought I had. Yeah, so it relates to that. The medium is the message kind of idea of the space can direct the message or direct the way you do things in a particular way. Because the, the other thing that I would add to what Tim says is the tyranny of the podcast. So the the desire to record this for people that aren't here and there are lots of people that listen to it who are elsewhere in the country and the world that <laughs> you don't bother to show up that does again it, it, it has this coercive effect on how much you can have a, a free flow of contributions how comfortable feel people feel to sort of disrupt or interject something or I can shout this out but it won't be recorded so you know so yeah all of those Features do place constraints on what's, well, not what, not on what's possible, but what on what we do. Yeah. Other thoughts? Um, <clears throat> this question of like, oh, what do we take away each week from the service? As if there's like an expectation to take something away, and uh, I think that more the goal here it feels like is to put some time aside to consider these questions together and it's not we're not just kind of doing it in a way to find that right answer on the day to take out with us and go great you know I've leveled up I know a bit more about scripture now but even just as a community sitting here and sharing our thoughts on a particular question stuff comes out of it and that's really refreshing so yeah it's a great point that if because one of the things that goes with that first model with the preacher at the you know the pulpit or whatever 
is that, yeah, you, your goal is to take some truths or some propositions away with you. And Alan was talking about, you know, one of the first weeks he was here, just a question being asked and the first person giving a fairly saccharine Christian answer and the second person saying, that just sounds, not what that person said, but that concept sounds a bit like bullshit to me. It sounds kind of empty and it doesn't make any sense to me. And the very fact of, of just hearing two really contrasting experiences of something and that being okay, both those responses being affirmed, is, is a learning experience of like, oh, okay, this is okay, having the same beliefs or emotional response to everything is not what unifies this community. So what is it that unifies this community? And so instantly there are these questions being raised and realities being exposed that are nothing to do with a few propositions that we're learning that week. Sally. So we've got the, the people in their own little individual groups that are contributing. Thanks, Sally. Um, I remember when the stage got redone and being a short person, I was so annoyed how low it is. Um, and then it was explained to me that it was, it was intentional and just going, like, <laughs> everything has to be so intentional. Um, but, yeah, now like, I understand more how environment does send a message and speak. Um, but, yeah, even just what, I just what you just said then, when you had that other picture up before and I whispered to Ruth, no, nah, I don't agree with what you were saying... But that didn't feel, I didn't feel rebellious. I was just commenting, like, I don't think I agree with that. And I know that you would be 100% fine with me saying that, that I, yeah, I wasn't being disrespectful or whatever. But then by the end of it, and now, I'm actually now doing a full circle. And I think the modelling of humility, the modelling of being able to change your mind, um, I was talking to my stepdaughter the other day who's in year 12 and her English teacher will often comment on... Um, she loves her so much because she has that humility of when someone um, changes her thinking as their teacher um, and I'm just like, oh, that's amazing, I love her. And, yes, of course, modelling it is, um, yeah, just incredible. So, yeah, I did a full 360. Conscious of the time. Any last comments? Shane. As an obsessive talker. Um, I just kind of wanted to add, to, just to represent some other people in, and not in the room, is just um, in terms of like aspiring to be a safe place as a church, is just permission to hide. Like that part of the structure, um, like I know that, that when you look at the kind of collective learning experience, one of the things that you can go to is going to a place where everyone is compelled to add and compelled to talk. But in a church of such high church trauma, lots of people actually come to sit and be present and work out and test the water and work out where there is a safe place to contribute. And so I think while I have some issues with some of the ways in which our group dynamic with microphones and projectors and stages and things plays out, in some ways it was also really helpful to have pockets where you can sneak in, nothing is demanded of you, you can work out whether it's safe to contribute and go again. Like, yeah, so... Yeah, I'll come to you in a sec. It just relates to what Jackie was saying. Jackie was sort of looking at the, the circle and how for some, for some of us, we have this incredibly positive relationship with the circle. Um, but for others, it's like, oh, it's such a coercive <laughs> shape and only one person can talk at a time. So it feels really controlling. And so, it's, yeah, it's just a beautiful conversation to go. There's no ideal. There's no perfect model of how you do learning and 
having this kind of, I think the heart of it is having this kind of conversation to go, how do we do it? What are the, what are the profound limitations of that? How are there ways which we, things we can add to work against those limitations whilst recognising there's no way of getting it perfectly right? Yeah. Uh, it was just a final comment on teachers and students and how we're not a classroom where it's everyone learns the same way. We all learn in different ways, whether we have stations some weeks or some people can even just draw while they're listening to a service. It's that teacher not being offended if the students aren't gazed at the screen staring at you that I think is really good about this community and our church. Thanks, Jess. And again, the, the beauty of this kind of conversation where so much came out this morning that I was not anticipating that I hadn't planned for, and there's something so wonderful about having that experience as the teacher to, to know that as you come, you will learn as much, if not more, than anyone else in, in this process. And the way that you, you're coming not as a performer going, oh, another audience, but going, oh, so-and-so is here, they will bring that perspective to this. And Josh leaving early, I said, oh, no, because Josh has very strong feelings and opinions because he's in this space of kind of working with group facilitation. I was going, oh, it would have been great to have your voice in the room. And it's, yeah, it's wonderful to be a part of a community where you, you see individuals and go, how fantastic that that voice is in the room this morning. So a couple of very quick things to finish off with. Firstly, thanks. Thanks for that. That was wonderful. Um, and I guess today is also, for me, an invitation for you to work, as I said, to work against the limitations of the way we do things. Uh, so an invitation to heckle, an invitation to disrupt in ways for us not to be, for us not to be slaves to the podcast or the recording. Things can be edited out, things can be added in. Um, so yeah, feel free to work against the constraints and the limitations of what we do together. It's also a good opportunity for us to hear from each other because sometimes we go, oh, this is, the way we do things is so frustrating for this and this reason, and to hear from other people that it really works for is, is great. You know, for those people that think, oh, if we just met in a circle every week, then people would share more freely, that would be great, and going, yep, that would be wonderful in different ways, but it would create limitations in other ways. Um, and please don't feel this as your individual responsibility, of course. You know, it's, a, it's, it's what we're doing as a community. If you are not the kind of person that can contribute in this way, please feel no pressure to go, oh, now I need to heckle, I need to disrupt, I need to work against, work against my personality type. That seems unfair. So we're not, we're not saying that. And obviously for us... The other side of that is, for us as the CPLT, Shane, Tamsin and I, the kind of collaborative pastoral leadership team, we're thinking about this all the time and trying to work on it as well, but we're, we don't see this as a perfect model. We're open to feedback and we're thinking always about how to refine it, how to change it, how to have different styles of week that appeal to different kinds of people. But we, we really value your feedback because we don't feel like we've got it all sorted out at all. Um, and with that in mind, just to finish, I put a little 
post-it note. If you don't have one or you've already used it, <laughs> you can get some more. I put a little post-it note just for those people in the room that never would never put their hand up or take the mic, but who perhaps today had a thought about how things could be different or a practical way that we could work against the constraints of the front and the microphone and the podcast or, you know, just any one or two-line piece of feedback that you want to share, either with your name or without it, um, that I can collect at the end and just have a little look through. We can have a look through together to think, are there ways, yeah, of working against the limitations of the way we do things or enhancing what's good about it so that it becomes a more, uh, a fuller experience of learning together. And so, yeah, we can cultivate our garden more effectively. So I'll just give you a couple of minutes. If you need a post-it note because you don't have enough or you don't have any on your desk, there should be some pens and pencils in your bucket. If you don't have anything to contribute, that, of course, is totally fine. But yeah, if you have a thought of a way in which we could learn better as a community, um, share better as a community, pop it down. Yeah, so just a couple of minutes for that if you want to. Hi, me again, just interrupting one more time to say that if you are just listening to the podcast but you weren't there on this particular week and you wanted to send through some feedback via email, please do or just talk to us on another Sunday. Shane, Tamsin or myself, we are always open to hearing about your experience of what we do on Sundays and any other part of what we do as a community. So just wanted to add that. Let's do communion. You just come forward if you want to. Um, I think there's almost enough crackers for everyone to have one, but you can, if you want to be generous, crack it in half and just take a half. Take a thing of juice. And then when we're all in a kind of loose circle, I'll pray for us and we can eat and drink together. As I say, you don't have to participate if you don't want to. You also don't have to believe anything about it to participate. It's just entirely up to you. So, yeah, come forward when you're ready, if you're ready. I might pray and then we can eat and drink. Loving God, thank you for the noises off. Thank you for the spilt blood of Jesus on the carpet. Thank you for the celebration of imperfection that is this community. And thank you that we don't have to feel like we've got it right to feel like you are with us and leading us forward to flourishing. Gardens are funny things. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink. <laughs>